0: Hey, this is Tolly Wilkes of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. God has been been burning on my heart that each of us, we have been handpicked by God to be the hands and feet of God. We've been handpicked by God to be his hands and feet in this world. And many times uh, what God does, he gives us the visions, he gives us the dreams. And what we want to do is we want to grab onto it right then and there. How did Jay-Z say it? I got no patience and I hate waiting. (laughs) I got no patience and I hate waiting. But just because you have been purposely picked, just because you have been handpicked by God, it doesn't mean immediate position. To be handpicked doesn't mean immediate position. Because there may be somebody here that's saying, well, I know God has picked me. I know God has chose me, but this doesn't look like anything like God said it would. I know God has chose me. I know God has picked me, but this doesn't feel like anything like God said it would. Well, I want to encourage you this morning that what God said is not a lie. The purpose he gave you is not a lie. He's still going to get you there. He's still going to lead you there. He's still going to guide you there. If he said you'll sing, you'll sing. If he said you'll dance, you'll dance. Because God is not a man that he should lie. If he said it, it'll happen. If he said it, it will come to pass. But the question is, are you willing to shine in the space that you're in right now? Because what we tend to do is that we find out that God wants us over here sooner or later. So we tend to forget about what God is doing through us right here. Let me put it another way. Nobody can see what I'm doing over here but everybody can see what I'm doing over here. Nobody can see me reaching out to the sick. Nobody can see me cleaning the church or taking the trash out, but everybody can see me in the worship band. See, see, we're living in a time where, where man's approval is more important than God's. Where we're living in a time where obscurity has become a thing of the past because everything has to be pictured, posted, and hashtag. Like, God is definitely using me, girl. He's definitely using me. What's up, InstaFam? God is working through me. Hashtag I'm called. But see, if you look throughout the Bible, God does his best work. He does his shaping and molding behind closed doors. But because God has showed us, because he's handpicked us to lead many, we tend to forget about the two or three he has us leading right now. But could it be God is using those two or three? Could it be he's using those two or three coworkers, those two or three family members, those two or three neighbors to develop you to lead the many? Listen, when Jesus told Peter, you're going to be fisher of men, it wasn't until later Peter preached the sermon and 3,000 were saved. But, But can you imagine if Jesus would have just turned Peter loose as soon as he got off the boat? We're talking about cussing Peter. Can you imagine if Jesus would have just turned him loose? As soon as he gave him the promise, Peter wasn't ready yet. But so many believers, so many followers of Christ, we want to bypass the development stage and jump head first into promise. What we want to do is we want God to microwave our purpose. Well, in other words, in this day and age, we want God to air fry our (laughs) purpose. I can remember a time trying to cook some French toast sticks in the air fryer for my daughter. And notice I said try. And I notice you probably, probably, some of you are looking at me probably thinking, like, did he really put air fryers? I mean, uh, uh, French toast sticks in the air fryer? Did he really do that? Church, I put everything in there. If you can cook it, it can go in the air fryer. But I remember trying to, 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 to cook these French toast sticks for my daughter. And she comes to me and she says, Dad, it's still cold. Because part of it was done and part of it wasn't. But see, we want God to cook up something that'll change the world. We want God to cook up something that'll uh, affect our children, cook up something that'll shift the atmosphere of this generation. We want God to cook up something of that magnitude in just a few minutes. But listen to me when I tell you this. God will not deliver a half-cooked purpose. He will not deliver a half-cooked promise. And when you pick up in the life of David, where you find David at is in the field. David's in the mud. He's in the field. He's brought in, anointed to be king. He's handpicked by God, but he goes right back to the field. He goes right back to the mud. Just because you have been handpicked doesn't mean immediate position. Because God still has some things he wanted to work in, David. And what God is telling us, if you will allow me to work in you, what I need to work in you, if you will allow me to work love in you, if you will allow me to work grace in you, If you will allow me to work strength and stamina in you, then when the time comes and you need it, you'll already be equipped with it. David was anointed to be king, but he didn't go straight to the palace. He went back to the field. He went back to the mud. But David was developed in the dirt. He was developed in the mud. So my title today is Out the Mud. Out the Mud. And we're going to 1 Samuel. Chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16, very familiar passage of scripture. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul, since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king amongst his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him who I declare to you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you, God. First, I just thank you for everything that you do. I thank you for the praise and worship team. I thank you for the people that's here. You said when two and three are gathered, you are in our midst. So I feel your presence right now. I feel your your presence taking over the atmosphere. But if others don't feel it, we ask that you just bully the atmosphere so they can feel it. God, it's a sensitive time. So I ask that you allow my mouth to be your mouth, my words to be your words, my spirit to be your spirit. Decrease me, God, so the people of God may see you. And it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so the text kicks off, right, with Samuel in mourning. He's mourning over King Saul. And that reason being it's because Saul has now turned his ears. He turned his listening off to what God would have him to do. So now it's time to choose a new king. But, but, but Samuel, he's remembering what things used to be. He's remembering when, when Saul was God's man. He's remembering when, when Samuel won battle, after when Saul won battle, after battle, after battle. But now Saul is left with nothing. He's left with nothing, still in position, but the favor of God has been removed. Still in position, but the spirit of God has been removed. How many people are in position today and the spirit of God isn't there? Still in position, but the spirit of God has been removed. And in Samuel, he's mourning. He's mourning. If you've ever been disappointed by anybody, a family member or a friend, you you understand how Samuel's feeling. He's wondering, like, why is this happening? Well, why why is this happening? Why did he do this to us? The very one we chose turned this back on us and God. Why is this happening? And God slides up on on, on Samuel and says, how long are you going to trip about that? How long are you going to keep stressing over something I've rejected? Or in other words, how long are you going to mourn over that man that left you? How long are you going to mourn over that woman that walked out on you? How long are you going to stress over that job that fell through? Because what happens is that we're clenching on to the very thing that God is trying to remove. Are you still holding on to something God has rejected? Because when you've been handpicked, and and, and this might scare some people, but when you've been handpicked, God will remove opportunities, things, places, homes, cars. When you have been handpicked, God will remove things from your life. But God is wondering, how long are you going to get stuck there? Do Do you think that's all I have? Come on, Tyrell, you know me. You know how good I am. Yes, the house fell through, but that's because I have something better. Yes, the loan fell through, but that's because I have something better. Yes, he walked out on you. Yes, he left you by yourself, but I was making room for your husband. Yes, she walked out on you, but I was making room for your wife. Stop tripping over something God has rejected. Stop tripping over something God is trying to remove. Stop tripping Stop tripping over it. Don't focus on what was or what used to be. Focus on what God is about to do. Focus on what God is about to do. Look at verse 2. Verse 2. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And Jesse, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me whom I declare to you. Here's my first point. Stand on God's promises, even if your what ifs are true. Stand on God's promises, even if your what ifs are true. Like anything new, that's always going to be some what ifs. What if this happens? Or what if that happens? And with being handpicked by God, it's no difference. There's always going to be some what ifs that arise. God, what if I can't do what you want me to do? God, God, what if I can't finish what you've handpicked me to finish? That's always going to be some what ifs will arise, but God's promise should wipe out your what ifs. His promise should wipe out your what ifs. Samuel, he's still mourning over Saul, but God's like, bro, I've moved on. How long are you going to keep crying? I've moved on. It's about time you move on too. Here's what I want you to do. Go head on down to Bethlehem and anoint the king I have chosen for myself. And what that tells us is that David was hand-picked by God. Because if you know the story, the people were like, we want a king. Every other nation has a king. We want a king. And they chose Saul. But now Saul isn't working out too well. So God's like, I'm going to choose a king for myself. Uh, David was hand-picked by God. So here's what I want you to do, Samuel. I want you to head on down to Bethlehem and anoint the king I've picked for myself. But Samuel's like, what if Saul finds out? This is treason. Well, what if, he, what if he catches me? What if he sees me? Well, what if Saul finds out? He'll surely kill me. But God's promises should wipe out your what ifs. Notice how God puts it. He said, I will send you. But God, what if, what if Saul finds out? He turns and then says, I shall tell you what to do. See, this is not an if or maybe or might. This is a promise. It's a, I will. It's a, I shall. So when it comes to your what ifs, your faith should say God's got this. When it comes to your what ifs, your faith should say God's got this. Even if you have to pass by Saul's headquarters. See, the route he was going to have to travel, he was going to pass right by Saul's place. But God is saying, don't worry, I got this. But God, what if I can't do what you want me to do? Don't worry. I got this. But, but God, what if I get a bad report from the doctor? Don't worry. I got this. God, my family's falling apart. Don't worry. I got this. God, I haven't been the best mother. I haven't been the best father. Don't worry. I got this. God, what if I can't finish what you've handpicked me to do? Don't worry. I got this. But just in case it's unclear, when you're weary, God's got this. When you're scared, God's got this. When you're, when you're running, God's got this. Even when you're strong, God's still got this. Whatever your what-ifs are, just know God's got this. God's got this. Everybody shout that. say, God, God got this. God. Now turn to your neighbor. Turn to your neighbor, I told you you going to get to know him. Say, God's God. got this. But I know you're probably thinking like, Tyro, you said we're going to talk about David. I haven't heard you say anything about David yet. Well, I was just laying the foundation. I was laying the foundation. Go to verse 6. Verse 6. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, surely the Lord anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his outer appearance or the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outer appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Okay, so Jesse and his his sons, Samuel and and the elders of the city, they're about to get their party on. They're about to get their party on. It's about to go down. They have their sacrifices ready. They have their chicken sandwiches from Popeye's ready. (laughs) That that stuff is like liquid gold nowadays. But it's about to go down. But Samuel's like, hold on, wait a minute. Let's do what I came here for. Let's anoint the new king. Jesse, do me a favor, cause your sons to come before me. And then walks the first one. And Samuel jumps up like, he's the king. I know he's the king. He's the king. Look at his stature. Look at his build. He's the king, but God starts to nudge Samuel like, don't, don't look at the outer appearance. Don't, don't, don't focus on how many zeros he has in the bank account. Don't, don't look at what type of car he drives. Don't, don't look at how big his house is. Don't worry about if her eyebrows are on fleek or not. Because God looks at the heart. What are your motives? See, we can dress it up. We can look the part, but God isn't checking for your pocketbook. He wants to know, is your heart right? What are your motives? Let me get my picture up for a second. Now, many of you may have seen this on social media. And what happened was Jeff told me he was going to take the picture, but I didn't think he was serious. (laughs) But I really wasn't thinking about it because there was fresh wax on the floor. I mean, it was still wet too. And we were doing spins and sliding across the floor just playing before service started. But in efforts to get the wax up, before everybody started coming in, I went and grabbed the mop in the mop bucket, trying to get the wax up because I didn't want anybody having to moonwalk their way into service. <laughs> so I began slinging the mop. And while mopping the floor, everybody's like, Tyrell, just leave it alone. Just let it dry, just leave it alone. You gotta preach in a few minutes, just leave it alone. But the last thing I wanted was somebody falling and maybe having to leave, which in turn, affected their encounter with God. So I kept slinging the mop. And anybody was there, they'd tell you, uh, people kept taking it from me, but I kept going right back to it, like, I gotta get to that mop. Because I remember the encounter I had with God. I remember how God changed my life and how God came into my life. So if me slinging a mop can ensure someone has an encounter with God, then guess what? I'm slinging that mop. If I have to greet at the door, I'm greeting. If I have to greet in the parking lot, I'm greeting. Even if I have to teach children's church, whew, I might be pulling my hair out, might have to sigh a couple times, but show me where the classroom at. Y'all see what I'm saying? See, when you have been handpicked by God, when you've been handpicked, you realize that it's not all about you. See, the world says get as many servants as you can, but God says how many people are you serving? Remember, we are God's hands and feet. We were handpicked to be his hands. We were handpicked to be his feet. And Jesus did not, did not come to be served, but he came to, say it with me, serve. David realized it wasn't all about him. But can you imagine how he felt when he walked into the party and he realized they about to get that grub on without him? I know me, and many of you know I like to eat. So I would have been like, man, are y'all serious? Are y'all about to eat without me? Ain't nobody eating today, and I'd have turned the table over. But David, he didn't do any of that. He came in, got anointed, and he went back to the field. David knew that it wasn't all about him. Here's the second point. The mud will not be wasted. The mud will not be wasted. See, David's duty when he came out of the mud, when he became king, was to lead God's people. In fact, David is the one that brought back the Ark of the Covenant. And for those that don't know, the Ark represented the presence of God. David was trying to ensure that the people had the presence of God with them, to ensure they had an encounter with God. But after he's anointed, he goes back to the field here. He realized that it wasn't all about him, because all the while they were about to get their grub on, all the while they were about to have themselves some barbecue lamb chops. Can y'all tell I ain't eat breakfast this morning? All the while they're about to have some barbecue lamb chops. David's outside taking care of the sheep. All the while they're about to feast, David's outside in the mud taking care of what they needed for the feast. All the while they're about to make a sacrifice, David's outside in the mud taking care of what they needed for the sacrifice. See, even though David wasn't invited to the party, he's outside taking care of what they needed for the party. But but to make it plain, food is essential to the body. If you don't have food, sooner or later you'll starve and the body will drop. You'll check out. You'll just check out. Me personally, I probably can go a few hours without food. That's only. (laughs) But, But the body hits starvation and you drop because food is essential to the body. And all the while they were about to get their grub on, David's outside taking care of what they needed to survive. So the question I have for you is are you willing to get your hands dirty even though you're not invited to the party? Are you willing to get into the mud for somebody else, even though they're not celebrating you or acknowledging your work? Is it all about you or is it all about God? What are your motives? What are your motives? David realized when he was in the mud that it wasn't all about him. But you know what I found? It's that he also learned how to fight when he was still in the mud. Go go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Oh, this is getting good. Is this good for y'all? I really wanted to preach, but God said you need to teach today. (laughs) 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning at verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And they were gathered. I'm sorry, let's pick up at verse 2. Let's skip all of that. Let's pick up at verse 2. I want to get straight to the meat. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And that came out the camp, a Philistine, a champion named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. Now, I'm sure. Many of you have heard this story sometime or another, but let's paint this picture. David is headed down to the battlefield to take his brother some bread. He's headed to the battlefield to take his brother some bread. The text, if you read a little further, I skipped over it because I wanted to get to the meat. He's taking grain and bread, but he's ordered by his father to take this bread down to the the battlefield for his brothers. And that's a whole nother sermon right there. (laughs) He's taking bread to his brothers. But once he gets there, his older brother is is angry and he's trying to discourage him. Isn't it funny how the closest ones to you are the ones that don't believe in you? Isn't it funny how the closest ones to you are the ones that's the most discouraging? But you know what I found? Sometimes God will use the enemy to show you who you are. Could God be ordering your steps even though it doesn't feel good? And I know this may shake some people in their seats and and go against some of y'all religion. But could God be using the discouragement? His brother said, why are you here? You should be back there with the sheep trying to remind him of what he was in the mud. Could God be using the discouragement now that you're on a bigger stage to remind you that he was with you in the mud? Too much for Sunday. Too much. But he says, he says, why are you here? Go, Go handle the sheep. But David is locked into this man that stands nine feet tall. His armor weighed more than all three of my children put together. But David's like, who is this? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who who is this joker? And by now, everybody's looking at David like he got two heads on his shoulder. And they're trying to discourage him and warn him. Like, David, do you see what you're up against? Do you see how big he is? Side note, nothing is too big for God. But, But David, do you see what you're up against? Do you see how big he is? In other words, do you see how long it's been since I had a job? Do do you see how long it's been since I dated my wife? Do you see how long I've been contemplating suicide? Do, Do you see how long it's been that I've been thinking about just checking out, just getting up out of here? David, do you see what you're up against? Do you see how big he is? But David's like, what are you afraid of? Stop tripping. God's got this. Because when I was in the field and a lion came against my flock, I struck him down. I still got the head hanging in the living room. When a bear came against my flock, I struck it down. If you're hungry, I got some bear soup left. See, when David was in the mud, he battled lions, tigers, and bears. So now when he comes up against this uncircumcised Philistine, When he comes up against this mammoth sized man and everybody's like, David, what are you doing? You're just a boy. That guy's a giant. He's going to rip you to pieces. You know what? Let me go over here and make sure he's okay. Let me make sure he doesn't get himself killed. Hey, David. Hey, David. What makes you think you can go against this giant? But see, David's like, you don't understand when nobody knew my name. When when I was still in the mud, when you didn't even know who I was, a lion came against me and I struck him down. A bear came against me and I struck him down. I was made in the mud. I was shaped in the mud. While I was still in the mud, God was developing me. When I was still in the mud, God was leading me. But now that I'm out the mud, to use uncircumcised Philistine, what I learned in the mud has me ready to fight. So to this uncircumcised Philistine, to this this mammoth-sized man, to that feeling of being suicidal, that feeling of nothingness, worthlessness. What I did in the mud, I'll do to you. What I did in the mud will happen to you. I struck down bears. I struck down lions. And what I did in the mud will happen to you. Stop tripping. God's got this. God's got this. And I just want to encourage somebody. Maybe you have debt in college. Maybe you have debt in your life. Maybe things aren't going too good. And you're saying to yourself, man, listen, this, this, this doesn't look like anything God said it would. In fact, it feels like you're standing in a puddle of mud. This doesn't feel like anything God said it would. But I'm telling you, what God said is not a lie. The promise he gave you is not a lie. The mud is not a punishment. The mud is development. See, God tends to use things we don't like. Things that don't feel too good to develop us. The mud will not be wasted. Turn to your neighbor, say, the mud will not be wasted. But church, you know what struck me? This bread. This bread thing just kept popping up over and over and over. Bread, bread, bread. I said, God, so what you want us to do? Have bread and service? <laughs> it just kept popping up over and over and over. And what I found is that it's not a coincidence that David was taking bread to his brothers. It's not a coincidence that he's carrying bread to his brothers. It's not a coincidence that Samuel comes to Bethlehem, and Bethlehem means house of bread. And as somebody else that came out of Bethlehem. I'm trying to think of his name. His name was Jesus, right? And he's known to be the bread of life. So it's not a coincidence that David is carrying bread to his brothers. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. Jesus, David, bread. David, Jesus, bread. David, Jesus, bread. And what God is trying to tell us is that the one who's willing to carry the bread to your brothers, the one that's willing to carry Jesus to your brothers, carry Jesus to your coworker, carry Jesus to your school, Jesus to the street corner, to the battlefield, that's the one that will change lives. That's the one that will shift the atmosphere. That's the one God will promote. But are you willing to take Jesus to your brothers? Are you willing to take Jesus to your brothers? Are you willing to carry the bread? Because that's the one God will promote. Go, go back to, to, to 1 Samuel uh, 16. I'm running out of time here. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let's try to land this thing where we took off. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass by Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, are your, are your sons here? And he said, That remains yet the youngest. But behold, he's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send for him and get him here. For he will we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent for him and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had a beautiful, had beautiful eyes, and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise and anoint him, for this is. He, your mindset should be the mindset of a servant. Your mindset should be the mindset of a servant. Remember how the text kicks off. David's out in the field working. Samuel comes to anoint the new king. So Jesse causes all his sons to come before him. And God's like, nope, I didn't choose any of them. Look again. Look again. So Samuel's like, Jesse, are these all your sons? And Jesse's like, you know what? Come to think about it, there is still one, but he's outside in the field. He's outside taking care of the sheep. This is his father, and he doesn't even address him by name. He's outside taking care of the sheep. And when you take care of sheep, you smell like you've been taking care of sheep. He had to clean up sheep dung, and for those who don't know, that's sheep boo-boo. So when David walks into the party, he has a stench. When he walks into the room, he has an aroma. He smells like he's been taking care of sheep. See, when you have been handpicked by God, your stench should be that of a servant. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter which room you walk into. Your aroma should give off that I'm a servant. David had the mindset of a servant. If you've ever been to a family reunion, you know that when you pull up, his cars parked everywhere. And David was just out in the field. So I'm sure he's seen all the horses and donkeys tied up outside, but he doesn't go looking to see what's going on. David just keeps on serving. And a lot of us, we're so chasing after purpose that we forget to just keep on serving. But understand, David didn't go looking for Samuel. While David was serving, Samuel came looking for David. David didn't go looking for Samuel. Samuel came looking for David. And what the text is telling us is that we should have a mindset of a servant. We don't pick and choose when to shine. We don't pick and choose where to shine. We don't pick and choose when to serve. We don't pick and choose where to serve. We just keep on serving. And just like David didn't have to go looking for people, if you just keep on serving, you won't have to go looking for people. They may not know your name right now. But if you just keep on serving, sooner or later, people will come looking for you. See, what God is telling us is that if you just keep on serving, you won't have to go looking for purpose. But if you just keep on serving, just like Samuel came knocking at David's door, if you just keep on serving, sooner or later, purpose will come knocking at your door. You have been hand-picked by God. Stop tripping about the mud. Stop tripping about what you're going through. Yes, it's tough. Yes, it's hard, but God is developing you because you've been hand-picked. You've been hand-picked. And there's nothing like getting into a position that you're not equipped for. Putting somebody in a place that you're not equipped for. God hand-picked David because he had the heart of a servant. He had God's heart. He's a man after God's own heart. Everybody else was about to get the grub on. David was outside serving. Do you have the mindset of a servant? Because when you've been handpicked, your aroma should give off that of a servant. When you've been handpicked by God, you don't trip about the mud. You know, the mud is just development. And I like to say mud is moving under blessing. Moving under blessing. Are you standing in the mud right now? Are you moving under blessing? Even though it doesn't feel good, are you standing in the mud right now? God wants to know. Are you willing to serve even though you've been handpicked by him? You've been handpicked by him. God wants to know. Let's pray.